Good afternoon. So good to see many of you today. If you have your Bibles, please get ready to turn into 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 is where we'll be at this afternoon. A recent data collected by Barna Research Group reported that there has been a dramatic increase in the number of U.S. pastors who are thinking about quitting ministry entirely. After over two years of the pandemic, along with intense congregational divisions, financial strains, and alarming percentage of pastors are experiencing significant burnout, driving them to seriously consider leaving the ministry. In March of 2022, 42% of pastors indicated in this research saying that they have contemplated leaving full-time ministry within the past year, which is up 13 points from 29% since the beginning of 2021. The biggest reasons, the three reasons that the pastors cited were immense stress, feelings of isolation and loneliness, and political division. Uh, David Kinsman, the president of Barna Group, says this is a growing crisis because the percentage is increasing. For church leaders in America, now is the time for the Christian community, he says, to come alongside their pastors to pray and support them so they can continue to lead in healthy ways. And pastors, too, need to proactively guard their health and well-being, taking a holistic assessment of how they are doing. And I think because we all believe in a sovereign God who is in control of all things, I think it's no coincidence that this week I was overcoming a cold and attacked by allergies in a week where I felt so weak. Here I am preaching on elders. So praise the Lord. Um, The question for us, in light of all the increasing challenges, how should pastors persevere in ministry? In the face of growing hostility toward Christianity, how should elders endure in the pastorate? Well, for any one of you thinking who are not pastors, which is everyone in here, but the two of us, Jeremy and I, maybe you're thinking, well, what does this have to do with me? I'm not a pastor. Well, let me just say, I love expository preaching because this isn't a message I came up with to draw attention to myself and to Jeremy as the pastors of this church but because expository preaching, which is preaching the point of the passage as the point of the message through books of the Bible, verse by verse, requires me to preach whatever is written next. And today's text is speaking mostly about elders. And so you and I, we who trust that God's word is true and right and good and inerrant and sufficient for all of life and godliness, Trust that this is the word we need to hear today. Amen? After all, we know the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. As 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ and His church. So here's a message not just for the elders, but for all Christians to know and to obey. We're continuing our study through 1 Peter in our series, Hope in a Hostile World. And the author of the epistle, Apostle Peter, exhorts Christians who are elect exiles of God scattered all throughout northern Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, to persevere in faith in the face of suffering and persecution. Two weeks ago, Peter reminded us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, how Christians ought to respond rightly to suffering, to not be surprised 
in the face of suffering, but rather to rejoice because our sovereign God has a purpose for all of our sufferings. And that purpose is to refine our faith. And Peter exhorted us to not be ashamed in suffering, but rather to glorify God in it. Because when you are persecuted for the name of Christ, you are actually blessed. That's when you get to experience the blessing of God because that's when you experience the spirit of glory and of God which rests on you, which means it proves you are His. You are actually a Christian. That's why you are being persecuted for your faith. Hallelujah. And therefore, Peter reminded us to entrust our souls to Christ Because the presence, the reality of fiery trials shows us judgment begins in the household of God for our purifying. So that when final judgment comes, when Jesus returns, we would be found blameless in light of who Jesus is. And in light of who Jesus is, we would be found who we are as his children, as his purified bride. Amen? Amen? Come on, encourage me now. Come on. And in our passage this afternoon, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, the Apostle Peter exhorts Christians to be good leaders and to be good followers even in times of suffering and persecution. So from our text, I want to share with you three ways how elect exiles, chosen sojourners and pilgrims of God can be good leaders and good followers. Here's the outline so you can follow. Point number one from verse one, elders lead cooperatively. Elders lead cooperatively. From verses 2 and 4, elders shepherd lovingly. Elders shepherd lovingly. And from verse 5, church members serve humbly. Church members serve humbly. I pray this message will remind you and encourage you of our young church afresh, of the great calling to which we've been called to be a supernatural community displaying the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ through our life together in the context of this local church. As faithful elders and as faithful church members, I pray that we would represent just what we are supposed to be because of who Jesus is in us and through us. And I pray that if there's anyone here who are not Christians, thank you so much for joining us. There's no better place for you to be on Lord's Day under God's Word with God's people. And we pray that you will come to know the chief shepherd who is our faithful and trustworthy, who is a shepherd, who is a leader, who is worthy of all of our allegiance. And we pray that you will surrender to him today and find him to be the most gracious and loving Savior and shepherd. So let's turn now to our passage found on page 1016 of the Blue Bibles around you. If you are new to reading the Bible, the large numbers are the chapter numbers, the small numbers are the verse numbers. So First Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. And as you listen, I want to encourage you to please keep your Bibles open throughout the entire duration of the message and follow along as I read and preach to help you better retain these words and understand these words. And by the way, if you do not have a Bible to read at home, uh, please take one of those blue Bibles around you as a gift from us to help you grow in studying God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 says this. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, 
not domineering over those in charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How should Christians be good leaders and followers? Point number one, elders lead cooperatively. Look with me to verse one again. It says this, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. The first observation we should notice is the word so or the word therefore in different translations. And as we often say, when you see the word therefore, you always ask the question, why is the therefore therefore? And in this case, we refer back to the verses right above, verses 12 through 18 in chapter 4, but particularly to verse 17, which says, if you just look at verse 17 of chapter 4, it says, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Peter was reminding the Christians there, suffering is present for Christians because God seeks to purify his people first through judgment, through suffering, through persecution. In light of the greater final judgment all men and women will face when Jesus returns. And so the present judgment, more specifically, to purify the household of God begins with the elders, with the pastors, with the leaders of the church. That's what Peter was saying. You see, what Peter was doing was echoing the words of Ezekiel chapter 9, 6, when the prophet Ezekiel prophesied of how God's judgment would begin in the temple of God, as it says, judgment begin with the elders who are before the house. And as such, Peter says, therefore, I exhort the elders among you. Elders, be watchful. Be ready because the fiery trial, sufferings are coming. Be ready. Judgment is coming. Be ready. Peter was speaking a necessary word to elders who are suffering, elders who are facing afflictions and difficulties, elders who would face greater suffering and persecution to come. And Peter was warning the elders, don't be surprised, don't get caught off guard at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. Peter was saying it's coming. Peter was saying it's certain. Fiery trial is coming. And when it does, do not be ashamed. Glorify God in Jesus' name. Do entrust your souls to Christ, for it is the time for judgment to begin in the household of God. Be ready. Pastors, be ready. You of all people should notice and and be reminded that trials will come and sufferings will come. The word elders in its original word, presbyterio, which is where the word Presbyterians get their word, is used in the New Testament to refer to those who have leadership positions in the church, particularly in regards to those who are dedicated to the teaching of God's word. The Bible uses interchangeable words to describe such a people, elders, shepherds, overseers, bishops, and only once, only one time, pastors, And just as an interesting note, but an important fact, nevertheless, the Bible never uses the word pastor, only the word one time, pastors, plural, 
used in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 4, 11, supporting the point that the biblical pattern for leadership in the New Testament is always plurality, plurality. Acts 14, 23, when they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers, Paul speaking to a church in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. James chapter 5, verse 14, is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over them, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, this is a minor point of emphasis in the passage, but it is an assumed one or an understood one that the standard for the New Testament churches is that it is led by a plurality, a group of elders. But note, in the recent decades of evangelicalism, people who believe the Bible, who call themselves Christians, this has not been so. Many churches in our day are led by solo pastors with very little help or accountability of fellow elders. In many churches where the senior pastor often acts as the CEO of a company, exercising the highest and sole authority. Also understand this, some Christian denominations hold to a form of a hierarchical model, such as the Episcopalian or Catholic churches, where the highest-ranked bishop or pope has the most authority. Whatever that top person says goes for everybody that's underneath them, all the churches, all the pastors, all the priests. And what the Bible exposes for its readers and hearers is that reason why so many churches struggle with rightly exercising and balancing and maintaining good biblical authority and leadership, and the reason why so many churches implode and pastors leave the ministry and churches are dying and plateaued or dead has much to do with poor leadership, unbiblical misuse of authority, and as a result, poor discipleship. You understand the sick, cyclical effect of poor, unbiblical leadership, don't you? In our societies, but particularly in our churches. As Pastor Mark Dever says, false converts, a church filled with nominal Christians, hire false teachers who raise up false converts. It's a deadly, sick cycle. Peter says, Suffering elders, struggling elders, afflicted elders, tired elders, weary elders, I exhort you. Peter says, I'm speaking to you. I am reminding you. I am encouraging you as a fellow elder, as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Peter is saying, I am hoping in this with you. I am struggling for you and with you. As someone who has experienced the failures and the hardships and the tears, I exhort you. You recall Peter's denial of Jesus three times, right? As someone who ran away from being the literal eyewitness of Jesus' suffering, that was Peter. But remember when Peter was restored to the ministry only by the mercy and grace of Jesus through repentance? That Peter is saying, I exhort you. You, I exhort the elders among you, you are not alone. 
I am with you. I am praying for you. Your efforts are not in vain. God takes notice of you. God takes notice of your sacrifices. Jesus is with you and for you. He has made a way for you. He will bring you to final glory. I don't know where he is, but hopefully he'll listen to me later on the recording. Pastor Jeremy, God has called you as an elder of New Covenant Baptist Church. He has gifted us with you to teach us, to pastor us, to disciple us, to counsel us, to lead us from God's word as you're caring for your wife and new baby. Totally understandable. God knows the incredible sacrifice you made when you trusted God to come with us for this new church when you and your wife, Carissa, decided to join us without job security in the earlier days. God knows the long hours of bivocational ministry you balance for the earlier years and however many months that we've been at this together devoted to serving this church May God continue to grow and bless your pastoral ministry. May God continue to expand your capacity to serve Him and disciple others and teach faithfully His Word. May God continue to use you to build His church. You are a great pastor, Pastor Jeremy, and you are a great preacher, and we are so blessed, so blessed by you to have you, brother. I don't know if anyone outside of our church members listens to the recording of these messages. It's even doubtful our own members listen. But if by for some odd reason any pastor or aspiring pastor out there listens to these sermons, this sermon in particular, may Peter's words be of great encouragement to you as it has been for me. God notices you. God is with you. God is for you. Don't give up. When I was in a long season of waiting, pleading with the Lord, please, I want to be a pastor. After I transitioned to be a regular member at Capitol Baptist Church, after a decade, after 10 years of full-time ministry and preaching every Sunday, I so wanted to be a pastor. Maybe that's corny to you guys, but I really, really wanted to be a lead pastor. I prayed and I prayed, Lord, you know what I went through to be a pastor My parents rejected me because I decided to follow your calling in my life. All the years of hardship and difficulties, all the sleepless nights and desperate prayers, Lord, I want to be a pastor. I want to be a good pastor. Lord, make me a pastor. That was my prayer for five and a half, six years. Well, in a particularly difficult season of waiting, when I was frustrated and doubting whether I should continue to pursue pastoral ministry in this long, hard season of waiting, a fellow pastor came to me randomly and encouraged me with this verse, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. He reminded me it is God who calls men to ministry. He reminded me to wait well and to grow well and to be patient, that in God's right timing He will call me to pastor. Well, brothers and sisters, as I was preparing to preach this message, I was so humbled and grateful of the privilege and joy that God has given me to be an elder of this church, New Covenant Baptist Church. After five and a half, six years of long years of waiting, struggling, humbling, growing, and refining, the Lord allowed us to plant New Covenant Baptist Church with you, with Jeremy, with Jacob, with Philip, and John, and Eric, and Brandon, and Key, and Bo, and Emily, Emily's, with 43 faithful brothers and sisters 
and the 50 or 60 others of you who have committed yourselves to this unimpressive young church to help build God's church and advance his gospel in Montgomery County. What great privilege I have to be called your pastor, to serve you, to grow with you. Thank you for your commitment to New Covenant Baptist Church. Thank you for putting up with my subpar pastoring and preaching and allowing me to grow and serve you. Please continue to encourage me and Pastor Jeremy. Continue to pray for me and Pastor Jeremy. As Spurgeon once said when asked, what was the secret of your success, Pastor Spurgeon? He answered simply, my people pray for me. Pray for us. We still have long ways to go. Commit to praying for us as we pray for you. And let's continue to pray that the Lord would gift us with more godly elders, that when that man is ready, it would be apparent to us all. Amen? We are currently also, if you did not know, in the process of hiring another pastor. Pray for the Lord to provide wisdom and clarity and provision in this matter. Let's pray through the ministry of NCBC. Many, many faithful elders would aspire to be elders from this congregation, that they will be sent out to pastor churches and to the work of missions. Amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. Biblical, healthy, faithful elders raise up other elders. Biblical, healthy, faithful elders lead cooperatively. So pray for Jeremy and I, as we are currently the sole two elders of this congregation, that we would love each other well, that we would be united in the way we lead and elder this flock. Christians must persevere through days of suffering and persecution by leading and serving not alone, but cooperatively. That's point number one. Point number two, how should Christians be good leaders and good followers in the face of suffering? Elders shepherd lovingly, verses two through four. Elders shepherd lovingly, verses two through four. Look at verses two through three again. It says this, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Elders, shepherds, overseers, bishops, pastors are called to the task of one thing in this passage, shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the flock of God. Man, what precious words Peter was extending to fellow elders. Just as Melanie Kate read for us in our scripture reading, these were the very words Jesus himself lovingly exhorted Peter in one of the weakest and lowest moments of his life. When Peter absolutely felt like a failure after he denied Jesus three times, after he was told by Jesus, you're going to do this? And Peter said, no no way, I'm not going to do that, right? Peter is the only one in the Bible set to throw out curse words because he was so passionately denying and rejecting Jesus on the night of his very betrayal, according to Matthew chapter 26, verse 74. After he, one of the closest top three disciples of Jesus, Jesus' oldest disciple, Peter was the one who saw Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration. He was the one who walked on water with Jesus. Yet Peter denied Jesus. But Jesus, in his mercy and grace, exhorts, encourages Peter. In the scripture reading, John chapter 21, verse 15 through 19, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. Jesus says to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus replies, tend my sheep. Then Jesus asks a third time, Peter, now grieving a bit, when Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus says to him again, feed my sheep. And John 21, 19 explains Peter addressed this way, to show by what kind of death Peter was to die in order to glorify God. Of course, church history writes that the apostle Peter was martyred in the years of the great persecution which followed just a few decades after this very letter, the epistle of Peter was written. And the fiery trial that Peter was writing was perhaps this great persecution that came under Emperor Nero who would eventually nail Peter to the cross to his death. And you guys know this tradition very well. Tradition tells us that Peter requested to be nailed on the cross upside down because he felt so unworthy to die in the same position as Jesus. And so it is with sober sincerity and solemn sympathy, Peter pleads his fellow elders who are scattered all across geographically and generationally, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Now, I don't have the time to address the obvious but blatant lesson in the text regarding church membership. The preciseness and the concision of this text is just mind-blowing in that just one phrase alone, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Not shepherd a random flock, not shepherd someone else's flock, not shepherd your flock, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd God's flock that he has brought to you. That's the instruction and the command for elders. So just a brief application for you, the church members. If you're visiting us and you are a member of another church, thank you so much for visiting. Thank you so much. We're so glad that you are here for whatever reason you are here. But we encourage you not to visit us again if you are a member of another church, unless for a very, very special reason. We want to encourage you to be faithful to your own churches. That's where God has called you to serve and grow and support and be accountable to. And members of New Covenant Baptist Church, unless for a very good reason, you really have no reason to visit other churches or check out other churches unless you are on vacation or traveling. Your main ministry of presence is to be at your own church and participate wholly here. Well, what if I just want to worship God because another church has service in the morning times? I encourage you to utilize that time to meet with a fellow member, meet for discipleship, or to be hospitable to a member you don't know well, or serve in multiple areas available in preparation for our Sunday service. Offer yourself to babysit, perhaps, so families with children can serve and volunteer in different capacities. There are so many ways You can use your Sundays to build up the church the Lord has called you to and you have covenanted yourself with. Amen? And even a briefer word to visitors who are not members of other churches, if it is your first time visiting here, welcome. Thank you again for coming and joining us. We love it when new visitors come who are not members of other churches. In fact, we pray for you regularly and often that you would come. Thank you for coming. Please come again. Learn about us. Consider joining us. And if you have been coming here multiple months, Or if you are checking out other churches, 
I want to encourage you to make a decision whether to join this church or some other gospel preaching church. Because until you join, we won't have an opportunity to know you well. It's like getting in a relationship with someone without being committed. Sure, we're happy to see you, but who are you? We want to get to know you. The Christian church is not for consumers. It's not purpose to simply get your religious fill and check out or to come and go as you please. A true Christian is one who is committed to the discipleship of others. And in order to do that, we have committed. We'll talk more about that in the next point. We are ones who have committed ourselves to one another through our church covenant. If you're not ready to join membership, however, because you have some questions or concerns about the Christian faith or about the church, let me ask, what are you doing intentionally to have those questions and concerns answered? The members of this church make ourselves available to you. We want to talk to you. We want to get to know you. We want to read the Bible with you to answer your questions, to help you grow in your faith. We love having you. Please let us serve you by getting to know you, by you being more regular and committed to growing and learning more about the Christian faith and about this church. Anyways, back to the text. The way elders shepherd the flock of God that is among you is exercising oversight. Exercising oversight. To protect and provide for the sheep, to watch and wait, serve the sheep, to teach and lead and guide the sheep. That is the role of the shepherd. But Peter gives clear instructions on how this is to be done. There in verse 2 and 3, Peter addresses three ways by stating the negative and the positive. Peter is saying it this way, so no shepherd says, "Eh, I had no idea. Peter is making it very clear, this is how you exercise oversight. Peter lays out some precise expectations for the shepherd elder. Since as James 3.1 says, the teacher, the pastor will be held to a stricter judgment. So three ways, Peter says in verse 2 and 3, wholeheartedly, eagerly, and honorably. Wholeheartedly, eagerly, honorably. Let's quickly reflect upon those three ways. So exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. The problem for many pastors these days and throughout church history, including the ones I mentioned earlier about the Barna survey, is that many elders, when faced with hardships and suffering and trials, simply did not or does not want to lead, does not want to pastor, does not want to shepherd when trials and suffering comes. They feel a sense of obligation. They feel a sense of duty, maybe because that's what they've been trained and spent money on for the Master of Divinity degree. Uh, It's what brings in their income. It's what provides for his family. It's what seemed good and noble at the time. But when push came to shove, and pressures amounted, and stresses strained, and criticism came, this pastor, no more willingness, no more wholeheartedness, no more shepherding of the flock of God with love, but just a crushing, weighty burden of duty, of expectation. No joy, no life, no desire. May it never be that such an elder at NCBC would exercise oversight unwillingly. Pray for us that the Lord would guard our hearts, that we would always be filled up with God's word, the Holy Spirit, and your prayers to protect and provide God's flock with God's resources, God's way. Amen? Peter says, exercise oversight eagerly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And what that means is, sadly, in our day, many who misconstrue the ministry and what the church is regarded as some sort of cash cow or some sort of platform builder for themselves. 
And this is not just an aim or talking bad about prosperity preachers who promise health, wealth, and prosperity. This is an accusation at pastors who love money and who love having massive followers and and work towards that, whose main concern for ministry is money, 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 followers, followers, followers. Will that church pay me enough? Will that church not pay me enough? And that's all it determines for somebody to go and serve and pastor. This is a judgment against pastors who favor the rich, who are guilty of the sin of partiality, as according to James chapter 2. Spurgeon says, He that can toy with his ministry and count it to be like a trade or like any other profession was never called of God. But he that has a charge pressing on his heart and a woe ringing in his ear and preaches as though he heard the cry of hell behind him and saw his God looking down on him, Oh, how that man entreats the Lord that his hearers may not hear in vain. Does the pastor have an eagerness? Does the pastor have a willingness to preach the word and to pastor his flock? Brothers and sisters, pray that I and Jeremy and any other elders at NCBC will be eager to pastor you and this flock. So don't ever not meet with us or call us or email us or text us because you think we're busy. This is our job. Help us to do our job better and well. Amen? But with wisdom, please. (laughs) Peter also says, shepherd should exercise oversight honorably or as examples. Verse 3, not domineering over those who are in charge, but being examples to the flock. It's so sad to hear about so many spiritual abuse in churches. Uh, It seems to be the charge of so many pastors falling out of ministry. Pray that the true pastor of God are honorable examples to his flock. Now, what I don't mean, get this very clearly, is that the elder is a lover of honor. That man who loves the honor of men is in the wrong profession. Notice how verse 4 clarifies what the aim of a genuine shepherd of God is. Verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. A true under-shepherd of God is one who knows that Jesus is the only true shepherd, the chief shepherd, that Christ is the reason why we serve. He is the one who is intimately familiar with Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 16, when God said, in Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 16, which I'm going to read for you right now. See, God is saying this, see, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on the day of cloud and total darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from their countries and bring them to their own soil. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will tell them in good pasture, and their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. They will lie down in good grazing place. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured, and strengthen the weak. I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will shepherd them with justice. Hallelujah. Jesus is whom the psalmist in Psalm 23 wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have no lack. 
I have no need because Jesus is my shepherd. Brothers and sisters, friends and visitors, this is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the best news that you and I will ever hear. Don't look to the headlines for good news. There is none. This is the good news that the Lord has called you to hear this afternoon, that God who has wholly created the world in love for his glory and our pleasure. But man, having been tempted by Satan, chose to distrust and rebel against him, choosing to be our own gods. And our consequences were clear. Because we are marred by sin, we continually chose sin, deliberately disobeying God's commands. We were separated from God like lost sheep, scattered, weak, broken, hungry, helpless, defenseless, and incapable of saving ourselves. No way, no truth, no life apart from God because of our own choosing. We were destined to face the punishment of our sins, the wrath of God, endless conscious torment and punishment in eternal hell. That was our destiny. That was our punishment forever. But God, but God had a plan from the very beginning to save a people, to forgive their sins, to restore a right relationship with them, to unite his people, to unite his flock once again with himself, that we would come to know his redeeming, amazing, eternal love through Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, who is truly God and truly man, who is the full and final word, fulfillment of all of God's promises, his sinless substitute life, his substitute death on the cross, paid for the punishment of our sins, sins of the past, sins of the present, sins of the present, and sins of the future. But his death wasn't the end of the story, was it? Or else we wouldn't be talking about Jesus today. Come on, y'all. Jesus rose again on the third day, which meant that God accepted his sacrifice, which meant that Jesus conquered sin, Satan, and death forever, once and for all, as Pastor Jeremy prayed, which meant that the chief shepherd is our shepherd. For anyone who will call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So brother, sister, friend, if you hear his voice today, deny yourself, pick up the cross, and follow him today. Repent of your sins and trust in him. He is the worthy leader. He is the only chief shepherd. Hallelujah. So if you are here and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, or if you're not sure that you are, I want to plead with you to trust in a worthy leader who will never let you down, who will always lead you graciously and gently and lovingly as no other leader can or ever will. So let me encourage you to join us in following him who is our chief shepherd. And you can do that today by repenting of your sins this morning. That means to turn from trusting in the things of this world and yourself and turn to him. Believe that Jesus died and rose again for you, for your salvation today. Trust him with your whole life right now, right now and tomorrow and the next day and forevermore. And to help you do that, you have a whole room full of people who would love to do that with you. Talk to me. Talk to Pastor Jeremy at the outside door. Talk to Philip, our service leader, at this back door. If you want to talk more about how you can follow Jesus, or if that's too nerve-wracking for you, turn to the person next to you, smiling at you. And I guarantee you they would love to talk to you about how you can follow Jesus better. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what a joy it is to shepherd you and pastor you. Thank you so much for this privilege. The Apostle John says in 3 John verse 4, I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in the truth. John was speaking about his spiritual children who are prospering in God's truth. As such, the greatest joy 
the greatest encouragement for any pastor is to know when his own flock is walking in the truth. When your eyes sparkle, when you are listening to a subpar sermon because you know that it's a faithful sermon. When you are faithfully serving and discipling and growing and helping others grow. No greater joy than to see that with our own eyes. I am not a perfect pastor. I have long ways to go. But I trust that God is growing me through you and you through me and Jeremy and the other leaders of this church, Lord willing. Let's pray that we will bring our chief shepherd great joy, that we together will bring our chief shepherd greatest, highest joy at the end of days through the faithfulness of New Covenant Baptist Church for many generations to come. Amen? Third and finally, much shorter point, church members serve humbly a more explicit exhortation to you. Look at verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, oh, good word, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This verse addresses those who are younger, perhaps younger in faith, because they had probably the most trouble in obeying the words Peter penned regarding elders. Be subject to elders. Follow their lead. You see how difficult that is? Rebels have difficulties following God themselves. Children struggle following their own Christian parents who love them and and feed them and, and buy them stuff. Sinners find it hard to know the good that they're supposed to do. They they don't do it. How are they to submit to elders in an age of individualism and self-expression? Again, the word likewise is very helpful in this case. Just as citizens can submit to unjust governmental authorities, as as Peter previously exhorted in chapter 3, as slaves can submit to masters, as wives can submit to unbelieving husbands, as they all submit to Christ, Peter says, likewise, younger people, immature people, spiritually young people, submit to your elders. Do your elders love Jesus? Do they love God's word? Are they faithful expositors of God's word? Are they proven, tested, and affirmed by the congregation? Then submit to them. Follow them as they follow Christ and as you follow Christ. This is why Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. I and Jeremy currently will give an account for the souls of the members of New Covenant Baptist Church. Help us to pastor you well by encouraging us and praying for us and submitting to us and following our lead. This is why a church ought to be very, very slow and careful in who we affirm as elders. This is why we ought to be very prayerful, very prayerful that God would gift us with more elders. And all the while, notice what Peter says before you have some lofty ideas about who is you know, suitable, who is qualified with your judgment fingers that we often do. Peter says, clothe yourselves, all of you, no exceptions, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Brothers and sisters, let us, in a season when so many pastors are leaving the ministry and giving up in ministry. Let us, in a season where churches are dying and plateaued and dead, let us, in a day where churches all around with the most beautiful buildings are being sold off to commercial real estate, let us, let us be good leaders and followers. 
in the midst of suffering, in the midst of persecution, with elders who lead cooperatively, with elders who shepherd lovingly, and with church members who serve humbly. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. What a joy, what a delight that you are our chief shepherd. Father, we have done nothing to merit this grace, this privilege, this joy. Yet you have called us to be your own, to be your purified bride. You are sanctifying us and growing us to be yours forever for all eternity. Help us to commit and covenant to do this with other believers to make disciples of all nations. Help us to do it diligently, faithfully, intentionally for your glory, for the proclamation of your gospel's advance. In Jesus' name we pray.